Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of uh, Amethix Technologies based in Belgium. Do you remember GPT-3 and its number of parameters that needed to be trained on an amazing volume of data? And also, do you remember how long did it take to train such a massive model? Well, let me cut the story short because there is another new model that is five times the size of GPT-3. It has uh, something like one trillion parameters and guess how much energy it needs to be trained? A hundred times less. <laughs> exactly. A hundred times less energy cost. How is it possible that something 50 times larger than another model can be trained at a hundred times less energy cost. Of course, we do not have the specifics of such a model, but we know that such a model goes under the name of M6 and it has been built by the Alibaba Demo Academy researchers. It's essentially a research and development branch of Alibaba. And um, they just announced it. They very recently announced that they, they made it. So what is this M6? Well, in this episode, of course, I don't want to um, speak about M6 in particular also because we don't have a lot of new news and specs about this model. The only thing we know is that it's a pr pretty large multi-model, multitasking language model. So multitasking means that um, you know it's a family of models that gets trained to learn multiple tasks uh, at the same time. And um, we have had another episode on this show uh, in which we, uh, you know, we have mentioned, for example, Google Pathways uh, that is not, you know, specifically designed around um, language models, but it's a more general uh, way of learning and multitask learning. And so learning multiple tasks, in fact, thousands or eventually millions of tasks uh, at the same time. But as I said, this is not about uh, M6. Uh, that is uh, uh, very similar to a GPT-3 uh, model. So in terms of architecture, it's pretty much the same, though, of course, the number of parameters is orders of magnitude bigger. One trillion parameter is really, really a lot. But what I would like to speak about in this episode is, um, you know, I would like to emphasize a lot on the energy cost improvements that, in fact, have been performed by uh, the research team at Alibaba, which I believe is probably the most important result here, because there is a trend that I personally do not like seeing in the last few years, which is, you know, richer gets richer, essentially. In fact, models get bigger and bigger, and of course, uh, they become more and more expensive. And uh, this, of course, creates, raises even more barriers uh, towards, of course, those who want to enter the space of um, deep learning models and artificial intelligence training. Uh, only the big players and, you know, the usual suspects, you know, who they are, only those players, of course, are uh, have at their disposal, first of all, the, the resources in terms of hardware people and, of course, uh, energy uh, they can spend in order to train these models and provide results. So to give you some numbers, something that is uh, 50 times bigger than the GPT-3, which is already a massive model, could be trained in something like uh, 10 days uh, with only, and I quote on this, 512 GPUs. And I say only because in comparison, and I will give you some numbers later, there are, you know, all the other models of the same family, especially the ones uh, developed before M6, of course, um, they have been trained on thousands of GPUs and even thousands of uh, CPUs. Um, and so, you know, these are really massive 
uh, systems, massive infrastructure dedicated to gradient descent, essentially, to training stuff in that sense. And so, as I said, let's focus on the energy costs of this thing. So, if you want to compare, for example, a uh, you know how much a GPT-3 training task would consume, you know, and find an equivalent that everybody can understand here, it essentially pollutes as much as five cars in their entire lifetime. So now you can understand how useful five cars can be and how useful GPT-3 can be. And not only that, um, you know, the lifetime of a car, you know, a good car for a person who doesn't really change cars like shoes could last even 20 years. It's a lot of energy. And to this, of course, we have to add the cost of researching, cost of training, the cost of the infrastructure, the cost of, uh, of the data that you need to collect or to clean, etc., etc. I'm pretty sure that everyone is familiar here with OpenAI. Uh, OpenAI had access to something like 10,000 NVIDIA V100 supercomputers provided by Microsoft. And um, when you make some gross calculations and you try to estimate a training cost, you would land to something like $4.6 million. And, uh, and if you add to this, of course, research, development cost, and you know all the the stuff around that you need to get there, to, that, to get to that result, those almost 5 millions can definitely land in the range between 10 and 30 million dollars. So you can understand that, you know, if you are a, a new startup entering the space and you see these numbers, um, it's going to be pretty hard for you to, you know, be part of the gang. To make another comparison, and then I promise I stop with numbers. Actually, I will not maintain that promise <laughs> because more numbers are yet to come. Uh, but the M6, this new model that is energy efficient, developed by Alibaba, has been trained on only 512 GPUs for 10 days. And that would cost something like, you know, if you count all the things that you need, all the machines that you need to put infrastructure together and, and just, you know, get to the result you would need something like 64 instances, about 20 bucks per, per hour uh, for 24 hours for 10 days. It's something like $310,000. And it's still a good amount of money, you know, one third of a million, but, you know, definitely orders of magnitude, smaller price than a GPT-3, which is also 50 times smaller as a model. So, you know, there is something that there is a gap there. It's kind of a new, the new alien on, on the planet here. It would be definitely worth understanding how this thing works and uh, how it has been designed. How does it look like? But, you know, we don't have a lot on that. And of course, as soon as such information gets released or the model probably gets reverse engineered, if any of the two uh, will make sure that uh, uh, we'll give you some, uh, some information on the usual channels at datascienceatom.com or on the official channel, uh, Discord channel, and you will find the link in the show notes of this episode or, again, on the website of the podcast. I'm Jeff Wheelwright, tech journalist and host of the ARM Viewpoints podcast. Along with ARM, the company whose technology sparked the mobile revolution, we're bringing you the latest from the heart of the tech world. I've had fascinating conversations with industry experts about topics ranging from AI and data security to the promise of 5G and the future of healthcare. And we're just getting started. Join us as we explore the evolving world of computing. Download and subscribe to ARM Viewpoints at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts.
So what I would like to speak about, in fact, is um, the efficiency that this model has adopted. Probably the most important results to, to take home, because um, energy efficiency is something that, you know, everybody's speaking about these days. And uh, it's no coincidence that, indeed, uh, this, you know, news comes, that this model comes in the news, because, indeed, everybody is pointing the finger towards carbon emission, and things that pollute the environment and, and you know climate change and we sometimes even mix things up uh, but it is very important in fact that we start considering ai more in terms of green ai and there is a beautiful paper uh, published back in 2019 it, it has gone a bit under the radar because from 2019 uh, there hasn't been much that you know many people speaking about green ai red ai and that's why i would like to dedicate a bit you know give a bit of space in this show uh, because i think it's really really important so the idea of green ai what is green ai well before speaking about green ai we should be speaking about the ai we know it today uh, which is the expensive and uh, you know barrier raising ai um, that we have seen in computer vision, NLP in particular, uh, and that goes indeed under the name of Red AI. I mean, that's how the author, or the authors of this paper uh, call it. And it makes perfect sense because, you know, there has been a, a, a massive increase in amount of compute used to train deep learning models in the past, let's say, six years. There's a beautiful graph on the paper, and uh, it will show you that from 2013 to 2019, uh, you know, there has been this, um, you know, increase in uh, of compute used to train deploying models, something like by 300,000 times. It's it's a massive number. And so why is that? Is because we have seen more and more papers get published because uh, they were speaking about a model that was more accurate. And so accuracy was, in fact, the currency of a better model. While in the terms of green AI, accuracy is, yes, important, but uh, also energy efficiency uh, is a currency that we should be thinking of. And so if you change, you know, the metrics uh, to evaluate, to assess the, the, the goodness of a particular machine learning model, in particular a deep learning model, well, when you, you know, change from accuracy to efficiency, uh, you have to reframe a lot of things there. And uh, all of a sudden, the models that were used to be on the top three uh, become probably the, the, the worst ones because they consume a lot of energy. There is also an interesting graph about the AI papers um, from actually from 60 papers from top AI conferences. Only a fraction of those have been publishing and speaking about efficiency and accuracy or just efficiency. And the majority of these papers, um, of course, have been uh, published because of an accurate model and because of, uh, you know, a better model in terms of uh, error rates and, uh, and indeed accuracy. But when you look at the, the costs of training a, uh, a machine learning model, and in particular deep learning model, uh, there are several things that we have to consider. And in particular, you know, the, this result, this AI result grows linearly with um, the cost of processing the single example times the size of the training set, uh, which is usually pretty large, and times the number of hyperparameter experiments. And all that times, for example, the number of epochs that you need to train a particular deep learning model, right? And so we have seen that, for example, deep learning is uh, pretty much synonym of uh, large data sets and um, large hyperparameter space. Um, and so we have seen these two things growing exponentially. 
and therefore the overall cost of training this model is no longer linear it's actually more than linear it grows more than linearly with respect to um to these um to these parameters now i promised that there would have been no other numbers in this show i was lying there will be a lot more numbers just because I would like to make things, you know, clear to people who, like me, love numbers. And also to understand and to frame things, you know, I want to create this picture. And uh, believe me, I find it extremely difficult to do this on a podcast where only audio is available. But uh, everybody knows Google BERT, uh, Google BERT. B-E-R-T, um, that contains only, uh, well, only 350 million parameters. Um, we also remember OpenGPT2XL, uh, stands for extra large, I think, uh, which contains something like 1.5 billion parameters. And in terms of training, BERT was trained on 64 TPU chips for four days. Then there was, there was another model called Grover, that was trained on 256 TPU chips for two weeks, and the estimated cost was approximately $25,000. Um, then we had XLNet uh, with a similar architecture to BERT Large, um, but of course um, used a more expensive objective function, and that was trained on something like 512 TPU chips for two days and a half. And finally, we get, you know, we all remember AlphaGo, um, the best version of which was trained on uh, something like 1,900, almost 2,000 CPUs and 280 GPUs uh, to play one single game of Go at a cost of about $1,000 per hour. And in terms of data, the volume of data that these massive monsters <laughs> required, well, OpenGPT2XL was trained on something like 40 billion words. Uh, then we remember Fair Roberta that was trained on uh, something like 160 gigabytes of text, roughly 40 billion word pieces. And that required something like 25,000 GPU hours to train. And last but not least, Facebook came, you know, in computer vision, we all remember that, pre-trained an image classification model working, well, trained on 3.5 billion images collected from Instagram. Yeah, that's right, your own pictures. So what's happening there? Like, well, historically, we have seen that these things are, you know, growing and growing. They become more and more expensive, more and they pollute more and more uh, because, you know, all these costs, um, it's you know, not only costs in terms of, uh, of US dollars, but also of electricity that you need to maintain and to train these things and to, uh, you know, all these GPUs that burn like hell. So what is green AI uh, telling us? Well, there are some principles that according to the, you know, to the green AI uh, authors, we should start thinking of. And um, I will mention them uh, because they are extremely important. And I hope that uh, they get adopted uh, as soon as possible in our deep learning frameworks. In particular, take into account carbon emission. So carbon emission is appealing as it is indeed a quantity that we want to minimize, in fact. Electricity usage that is correlated with carbon emission most of the time, while being time and location agnostic, uh, the total running time for generating a result is also a natural measure for efficiency. Uh, the number of parameters is another another common measure of efficiency. Um, is uh, uh, and we have seen that, for example, some models have been proposed uh, having the same results of the bigger brothers, and uh, they could do exactly the same or you know very similar 
accuracy, very similar error rates with a fraction of the parameters. And you know, everybody was happy there because indeed, if you can do the same with a fraction of the parameters, you get on the news because it means that you did something right. And finally, and probably this is the one that we, um, as engineers, we should really uh, take into account. You know, it's 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 relatively easy to to take this into account, which is the uh, floating point operations. So the total number of FPOs, it's called a uh, total number of floating point operations that are required to generate a result. In uh, computer science, in fact, with architectures, there are in fact two base operations <laughs> that are fundamental for uh, pretty much anything in computer science, which is add uh, and mole, um, stands for addition and multiplications. And so based on these operations, the um, FPO cost of any machine learning operation, for example, a, an hyperbolic tangent or a, a gradient descent or whatever, or a cosine and, and you name it, a matrix multiplication, a dot product, a convolution uh, filter, and so on and so forth. Well, all these operations that are more abstract and more you know closer to the world of deep learning and uh, and uh, machine learning they can be represented by the number of fpos uh, like the number of floating point operations that the actual cpu or gpu need in order to perform that calculation right and so this is important because um it's not only important because it gives you an immediate picture of how efficient something is but also it's easy to implement it's easy to track these things because you know you just have to extend, for example, the uh, frameworks that you use for uh, doing deep learning on a daily basis, uh, and you can already calculate or estimate these things pretty, pretty accurately. Another thing, of course, not to leave out is memory consumption by the model, because that often uh, leads to additional energy and, of course, monetary costs. And uh, last but not least, you know, that's where the most of the human factor is, uh, or well, uh, programmers factor, uh, model implementation. Um, different, two different implementations of the same model, even in different languages, for example, or even, you know, by different developers, they can lead to very different amounts of processing work because one version is, can be more efficient than the other just because, you know, the programmer was more keen to organize his code and, and write more efficient code or write the same code in a different language that was by definition more efficient. So here there is, you know, I don't want to enter the programming languages war, um, but you know what I mean. It's like, it depends pretty much on how good you are at coding stuff and what tools and what programming languages uh, do you use for uh, a particular job. So yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think that uh, knowing about what green AI is, knowing about the principles uh, of um, um, green AI is extremely important. And uh, I think we should all take some time to understand these things and also to understand how we can start applying these principles and these concepts. Um, I think that together with, uh, for example, explainability and uh, ethics, being green for an AI is uh, another important task and another important challenge that we have for the next decade. I hope you enjoyed the show. I'll see you next time. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.